Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. I invite you to take your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, and as you make your way there, I want to say to my brother, I asked him to pray, and he agreed, and he made the little comment about, I know I'm supposed to pray, uh, but don't ever, don't ever feel like you have to apologize if the Lord's laid something on your heart. Just apologize if it goes too long, okay? <laughs> Which it didn't. Uh, but uh, no, I, I appreciate your heart. And uh, we need, this is why uh, the body of Christ is so important. We, we all have our natural inclinations, the, our blind spots, the things that we're not consciously aware of on a regular basis. And, and we need... We need each other to remind us of those and push us in those areas, so I thank you for that. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, we want to look at verses 14 through 21 this morning, and uh, as we have kind of been talking about our emphasis for 2023, our pathway, the pathway of prayer, we have come to the first uh, last Sunday of the year and of the month of January, so we want to have a special focus on prayer and what I want to do this morning is talk about how we can pray for our prayers. Have you ever prayed for your prayers? That seems kind of a weird question to ask, but I think as we begin this special emphasis, it'd be good for us to think about how we can ask the Lord to equip us and to guide us in this pathway of prayer. And I want us to look at Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, and then I want to take what he prays for and apply it really specifically to our prayers. So what is it that Paul prays for the Ephesians and by extension us as believers reading the Word of God and apply that to our own prayer life both as a church and as individuals. And so I want us to talk about four prayers for our prayers, four prayers from Paul that we can apply, apply to our prayer life. So let's look in verse 14. Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father. There's prayer. Paul says, I'm praying. From whom every family in heaven on earth is named. Right there is where Paul says, This is the resource house. This is why I'm going to God in prayer. He knows every person. He knows every name. They all receive their name from him. You cannot go any higher. Paul says, I'm praying to the CEO, I am praying to the master of the universe. And what does he pray for them? Verse 16, I pray that he may grant you or give you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20, Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
And so this morning, what we want to do is a bit like the quote from Thomas Merton. He was a Catholic monk, and he says this about prayer. He says, so you pray to learn how to pray. What he means by that is you learn by doing. One of the best ways to learn by pray, to learn to pray is to pray. He says, so you pray to learn how to pray. But this morning, we want to kind of take that quote and maybe rework it a little bit and kind of interpret in a different way. We're praying that God would help us to pray, that God would teach us to learn, or that we would learn how to pray. And so this morning, again, like I said, four prayers for our prayers. And what we, do, what we see Paul does in, um, in this passage is he says, I'm praying for three things. And these are indicated in, the, in the, the structure of the passage. But then he sets those three prayers against the backdrop of one panoramic purpose. This one great unifying theme that Paul has. And so we're going to look at three prayers one purpose, but really that purpose is a prayer as well. So four prayers. And what I want you to leave here this morning thinking about, considering in your heart is, I want us to pray about our prayers. Pray that the Lord would bless, aid, and use our prayers for His glory. That's the main idea this morning. Let me say it again. Let us pray that the Lord would bless, aid, and use our prayers for His glory. And so we said that this, there's a theme that runs throughout this whole passage. There is an utter dependency, a, a helplessness, a need that comes from our position and God's resources. We are so desperate. We are so needy when it comes to prayer. And that's where prayer starts prayer starts when we realize just how little we have in and of ourselves and we become dependent on God. When we see that, that Paul has this theme traced throughout, it, it's thoroughly Trinitarian. This prayer that he prays, he talks about the Father, he talks about the Spirit, he talks about Christ. And so I, I want you to be aware of those notes in, in this song, this prayer that, that Paul constantly strikes, our dependency on God. So I, I think it would be fair to say that this is what we need to pray, that God would do these things. But look at verse 16. The first thing that we need to ask God to do is to bless our prayers. He says in verse 14, I bow the knee. So there's the prayer. But then in verse 16, I pray that. So here's the, here's the first purpose that Paul's praying. That... God may grant you or give you or bless you. Now, where is God getting all this blessing and all this giving? What does Paul say? According to the riches of his glory. So Paul is saying, I'm praying that God would bless you according to his riches, according to his treasures. And is that not blessing? That God would bless our prayers? He's not lacking in glory. And so he's praying that God would give. And what is he praying that God will give? Well, there's three things. Number one, he's praying that God would bless our prayers or bless us. And we apply it to our prayers. Let's ask God to bless our prayers with his power. Look at verse 16. I pray that he may grant you to be strengthened with power in your innermost being. So when it comes to this this commitment to pray, there is a physical and a spiritual component. It's not just external, but let's ask the Lord to give us a spiritual stamina, a, a sort of sanctified stubbornness when it comes to prayer. 
And we have to ask this because it comes from God. Look at what he says, that he may grant you, he may give you to what? Be strengthened. Right? If you remember in, in grammar school, you learned about a passive verb, a verb that the action is done to you. It's not that we strengthen ourselves, but he's praying that God would strengthen us, that we would be strengthened, that it would come from him. And not just that, in our inner being. So we're, we're strengthened inside, but how? Through his spirit. So it comes from God, and it comes through God into our inner being, this spiritual stamina. And you say, why, why is that one of the first things we need to pray about for our prayers? Well, I think if we're honest, we, we give up too quickly when it comes to prayer. We don't see results right away. There's always times when it seems like prayer isn't working. We want to give up, but what we really want to do is we want to get up. We want to get up out of our seat. We want to do something. We want to wrangle the problem by the horns. We want to, to, to lay our hands and try to fix it ourselves. But sometimes we need the strength to be still. We need the spiritual fortitude to sit and trust. Meister Eckert once said, Nothing in all creation is so like God as stillness. God doesn't panic. God is not hurried. God is not uh, running around trying to badly manage the chaos. No, when God created, He rested. He, he is confident. He's sovereign. And so when we ask the Lord for this power, both spiritually and physically, physically that we would have the power to pray, but then also that, that we would trust His power, that He would bless our prayers with His power. But what's the second thing that Paul prays for the Ephesians and for us, not only that our prayers would be blessed with power, but that we would be blessed with his presence. Look at verse 17. It says, and so I'm praying that God would grant you what strength, power, and that God would grant you what that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So Paul prays that Christ would dwell in their hearts. Now, in recent days, recent years, there's been a pushback on this, this idea of Jesus living in your heart. And, and I get it. And, and really, it was more of a pushback against, you know, leading people to faith in Christ and saying, you know, ask Jesus into your heart. That's kind of a, let's just be honest, that's a weird kind of way of putting it. You know, ask like, how does Jesus come into your heart? You know, if you've ever had talked to a kid about it, it's very confusing, right? Jesus coming... But, but then there's also this idea of Jesus living in your heart. That's the language Paul used, that Christ would inhabit, that he would take up residence. It, this, is, this is the difference between a hotel and a house, right? He's not saying that Jesus would rent out your heart, but that Jesus would dwell, make his home in your heart. And how is that done? Through faith. By believing. So how is it that our prayers are strengthened with his presence? We believe. You say, is it that simple? Yes. Isn't that what Paul says? That when we believe that Christ is with us in our prayers, when we believe that he is dwelling in our hearts, when it's through faith, Christ is dwelling in our hearts. Now you might say, Jason, I thought when I became a Christian, Jesus came and, and the Holy Spirit took up residence in my, in my heart and life. And yes, that's true. We're not talking about a, a salvation type of dwelling. 
But what we're talking about here is a difference of degrees. It's a, it's a difference of uh, fullness, we might say. So what Paul is praying is that our hearts would become Christ's home. It'd be more and more a place where Christ is at home. And I think that's a good thing that we pray for our prayers, that, that God would use our, player, our prayers and bless our prayers to make a home for Christ to dwell in our hearts. So there's the power, there's the presence that Christ would dwell, but then there's the planting, that God would bless our prayers through planting us. Now again, look at the language here in verse 17. He says, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love. There's that passive language, right? If you've ever worked in the garden, something was planted. It did not plant itself. And so Paul says, I pray that, the, that God would do this work for you of rooting you. That you would be rooted and grounded and established in love. So he says, my prayer is that God would bless our prayers to grow you in love, to strengthen you in love, that you would be established in love as we pray god grows our love for him god makes our hearts more tender towards him and his will and so we should ask god to bless our prayers with his power with his presence and as we pray when you pray brothers and sisters you're laying down those deep roots those deep roots that anchor you in God. So we should ask God to bless our prayers, but then we should also ask God to aid our prayers. This is the second purpose that Paul has. And he says in verse 18, he says, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width and height and depth of God's love. So Paul's saying, I pray that God would grant you. And then we talked about what that... God would give. And then he says, now I'm praying that God would enable you to comprehend certain things. Now, when we pray, you know, we know the, the verse about uh, Romans 8, 26 and 27, right? The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Paul says, the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So we understand that, but specifically, what does Paul pray here? He prays two things that, that he, um, sorry, that they would comprehend and know. And both of those verbs are tied to love. So when we think about our prayer life, what should we pray? That God would aid our prayers, assist our prayers in what? Helping us to know two things. What are the two things? God's love and Christ's love. So as you think about your prayer life, I think one thing you can ask the Lord is to help, help us to know the expanse of your love. As we pray, help us to know the expanse, the, the dimensions. I love what Paul says here. It's so beautiful. He says, I pray that you would be able to comprehend, that you'd be able to wrap your mind around with all the other saints. Look at this. What is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love. 
When you think about it, every act of prayer is an exploration into the length, the width, and the height, and the depth of love. Maybe it's been a while since you prayed and you're down in the dumps and you say, there's no way God is down there. But when you pray and you come to him through faith in Christ and you're with him and he hears you, you experience again just how deep the love of God goes. Or maybe you feel so far away from him that, that you feel spiritually like you're on the other side of the planet. You are so far away from God. But, but listen, the love of God goes even beyond that. You cannot escape it. You cannot outrun it. And so every act of prayer, whether it's you're coming because you just sinned, that sin again, or whether it's been years since you prayed, every act of prayer is an exploration of just how long and wide and deep and high the love of God is for you. So, ask the Lord, help us to Know the dimensions of his love. I hope you know it. I hope you know the love that God has for you. And I pray that as we pray more and we plumb the the depths and the dimensions of God's love, that you would be changed. Not just by, by God's love in general, but what does Paul say? I love what Paul does here. He says that I pray that you would be able to comprehend the length, the width, the height, and the depth of God's love, and that you would know. Yes, know. Okay, Paul, what do you want me to know? Christ's love. Awesome. I want to know Christ's love too. Let's do it. Sign me up. I want to know it. And then Paul says that surpasses all knowing. (laughs) Right? Paul says, I hope that you know what you will never fully know. Christ's love for you. You will never, ever reach the end of. You will never be able to wrap your mind around totally and completely. I mean, think about it. That's what eternity is, right? That we are constantly growing. Christ's love for his people is so great and so immense that it takes all of eternity for us to even think about getting close to approaching the end of it. But eternity never stops. And so when we pray, if we're, if we're going to pray and ask God to aid our prayers, let's pray that we would have one eye on, on the, the love of God and then another eye on the, the unsurpassing love of God in Jesus Christ. I mean, just think about what Christ has done for you. Paul says that God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And we read that verse and we might think God loved us, but Jesus didn't really have a say. God demonstrates how much he loves us and he kind of made Jesus go to the cross. No, 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 no. Jesus loved you as perfectly and completely and wonderfully as the Father. Jesus wanted to save you. Think about that. Jesus is not being pushed towards the cross. He's going willingly. Jesus lays down his life for those who hate him, who rebelled against him. 
Jesus prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If we ever have any doubt about God's love for us and Christ's love for us, we have to look no further than the cross. And we can't wrap our minds around that kind of love. But I want you to understand that prayer itself is a recognition of both. Maybe the reason you don't pray is because you're not totally convinced that God actually loves you. You think that God's love for you is conditional on how you perform that week. Or you think that God's love is something that you have to keep and maintain. That if you commit one sin, that love is wiped away entirely. But I want to tell you this morning, every time we pray... Every time we approach God and come into His presence, He receives us in a spirit. He receives His children with love. So what does that do for us as we think about prayer? How, how many of you that are, that are married know that your wife loves you? You know your husband loves you? Do you ever feel like you have to force yourself to talk to them? Like on a general basis, you know, I know there's, those, there's certain conversations, but broadly speaking, my point is this. Prayer becomes less about a duty that we maintain, and it's more about a desire that we get to express. That we know God's love and we get to return that love. Thomas Aquinas says this, prayer is the voice of desire. What if we thought of prayer by knowing God's love and Christ's love that we would ask God to grow our affection to pray? The more we pray, the more we experience God's love and Christ's love and the more we want of it. And so maybe... If God helps our prayers to know the love of God and the love of Christ, we pray not because we have to, and not even because we get to. We pray because we desire Him who so loves us. David Scott, another author, puts it this way, we have to desire God to begin in prayer. So we need God to help us to have the right perspective on prayer, right? So let us pray, not based on our track record, not based on our love or the consistency of our love, but let's treat prayer and the openness of prayer on the track record of God's love for us. So, so that's the second prayer we can pray for our prayers, that God would aid us in our prayers to grow in His love. But there's a third purpose that Paul prays. In verse 19, he says that, I pray that you would know Christ's love that surpasses all knowledge. Okay? Why? So that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So there's, there's another thing that Paul prays that, that the Ephesians and that we would be filled with the fullness of God. And that's what I want us to pray for our prayers. What is at the heart of what we seek in prayer? Why pray? at all well it's not for stuff it's not for material blessings but Paul says I'm praying all these things so that you might be 
filled with the fullness of God. In other words, let us pray that God would use our prayers to fill us more of himself. That he would use our prayers to make us more like Christ. That we would be filled with him. The reason we want to focus on prayer in 2023 is to grow in the fullness of God. In other words, what we're talking about is spiritual maturity. There's a lot of things that we could have made the theme for 2023. We could, have, we could have talked about we want to focus on evangelism. We want to focus on discipleship. We want to focus on missions. We want to focus on all sorts of things. But the reason we want to focus on prayer is because all of those things can be addressed without spiritual maturity. We can put in place systems. We could design plans. We can do all sorts of things without being the type of people that we need to be. But by focusing on prayer, we're going to ask God to make us more like himself, to fill us with all the fullness of him. And I promise you this, if we will grow in our spiritual maturity, if we pray and become more full of God, all those other things will take care of themselves. And so Paul's prayer here is that we would feast and grow in his fullness. We are maturing George Herbert, uh, he was a pastor and a poet. He writes about prayer and he just calls it in one line, he calls it the church's banquet. Prayer is a chance for us to, uh, there's not a word strong enough. If we used it for food, it would be called gluttony. That we would, just think of ravishing a dinner table inhaling a meal, just totally devouring a table full of food. When we do that, we would call it gluttony, right? Uh, idolatry, maybe, whatever you want to call it. But if you take that same approach to filling ourselves with God and the fullness of God, that's what prayer is. It's a banquet. It is an opportunity to feast, to fill ourselves with who God is. And so... This call is not necessarily for us as an individual, but for us as a church. God's presence and His character have been revealed. And we come to know that. We become full of Him. And that's what the goal is in the prayer. And in, really in Paul's letter in Ephesians is that God's love might so permeate us that we become mature Christians. And so let me just put it this way. Do we want to be full of the Spirit, full of Christ in our hearts and minds? If the answer to that question is yes, then we must pray. We must pray. I love the way George MacDonald put it. George MacDonald was a, a 19th century uh, writer. He, he's really the one that uh, kind of spawned sci-fi and fantasy literature uh, C.S. Lewis said everything that he had ever written, C.S. Lewis said everything that he, C.S. Lewis, had ever written was influenced by George MacDonald. George MacDonald says this, there is a communion with God that asks for nothing, yet asks for everything, because he who seeks the Father more than anything that he can give is likely to have what he asks, for he is not likely to ask amiss. McDonald's point is that if we, if we come to prayer to simply meet with God, to be filled with God, 
to know God, it is very unlikely that we will not get that which we seek. And so may God use our prayers to grow us as believers, to fill us with more of Himself, such that He overflows out of every one of us. So we're praying that God would bless our prayers, aid our prayers, and use our prayers. Those are the three purposes Paul has, but what is the ultimate end? What is the one giant panoramic view that these three purposes are set against? Well, we see it in verses 20 and 21. He says, Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Stop right there. You might have said, yes, Jason, I'm tracking with you that God would bless, that God would aid, that God would use, right? And maybe you've already started putting limits around how God's going to do that and how much God's going to do that. And you're already saying, I know myself, I know how this is going to go, I know my track record, but what does Paul say? God, I'm asking God to do all those things according to His riches of His glory, right? Through Christ, through the Spirit. And then in verse 20, Now to Him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, even us asking God to bless, aid, and use, just saying that, be aware that God is able to do far more and exceedingly abundantly what you ask in your prayer life. He says, to him, verse 21, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations. So, what is the last prayer for our prayers? It's that God would be glorified by our prayers. Our year of emphasis is not about us. It's not about our glory. It's not about the glory of Poplar Spring or the name of Poplar Spring. It's about God's glory. To see God work in all of our lives through prayer such that we reach December 2023 and we say, wow, to God be the glory, great things he has done. Look at where I was in January in my prayer life and look at where I am now. What Paul does is he turns our attention to God. You see, prayer, this is sort of meta. Do you know what the phrase is? Meta? Like, this is a commentary on the commentary. We might be so obsessed with our prayers God bless my prayers, God aid my prayers, God use my prayers, that we actually make ourselves the focus of our own prayers. But Paul comes along and turns our attention to God, and, and he says, by the way, it's not about you. God is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So what does that mean for us? What does it mean if we want God to be glorified in our prayers, to aid our prayer life? What does that mean? I think let's approach 2023 and let's pray some big prayers. If God is able to do above and beyond all that we ask, request, and think, then why not go big? Right? If we want to see God bring glory to himself, let's ask big prayers. Let's, ask, let's, let's pray big prayers because Paul says God should get the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ. 
And so to say that prayer should glorify God, I think implies that we know what to pray for. We know what to ask. So don't miss that in this prayer, what we're really asking is God to teach us what he wants. That our focus would become his focus. Our concerns or his concerns become our concerns. His focus becomes our focus. And so I'm praying that God would use our prayers to bring him glory. To, to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. That God would teach us to pray. And that in praying we have the resources and the power open up to us. That God's glory would inform every request we make. So Paul's prayer here in Ephesians lays out a template for us to pray for our year of prayers and in our own lives. So remember the main idea this morning is we're praying that the Lord would bless, aid, and use our prayers for his glory. As we sing about, we need God to do these great works for our prayers. We cannot do it all by ourselves. We want to pray for our prayers. We cannot create in ourselves and of ourselves an overriding desire for God. We are dependent on God. And so with these three purposes and this one great panoramic goal, I want us to close this sermon. And I want you to hear these words that maybe pause for a moment and and don't let these words be like the school bell letting you know that class is out. When you hear these words, the sermon is over. But I want you to hear these words again and afresh as we close out and we're going to pray these prayers together. Here are the three words. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the prayers that Paul prayed for the Ephesians and how we have this great hope. God, that if we would truly humbly step out in faith wherever we are in our prayer life. God, that you will meet us. God, I pray that we would seek to make the minor adjustments in the beginning that we could devote more time to prayer. God, that we would step out in faith believing that you want to meet with us. God, that you love us. And God, that you can grow us in our prayer life far and above and beyond anything we could think possible. And so, Lord, we want to pray for our prayers. God, forgive us when we we treat you like a voicemail machine. God, forgive us when we are so consumed with our own priorities. God, forgive us when we said that we were too busy to pray. God, forgive us for those times where we would say out loud that we know prayer is important. But God, our actions say something else. God, Let this be the moment, let this be the day where by your grace, by your spirit, through the power that works in us, a power that...
that is according to your riches, God, may we be people of prayer. God, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.